I imagine we won't have too many of these. The Nate Taylor Show after a loss. This team doesn't lose a lot of regular season games, but yesterday I saw two playoff teams play each other, and Nate, somebody had to lose, man. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we shouldn't overreact, Carrington. But I kind of want to. I kind of want to just simulate this thing to what, the divisional round, championship round? Look, man, I'm ready to buy a big coat and get to get to Buffalo to see the rematch. Obviously, a lot of guys in the locker room after the game on Sunday pretty much said it on prompt. Yeah, we'll see them again. You know, like, no, Justin Reed, I asked you why you, why you gave up the touchdown or how difficult it is to tackle Josh Allen when he's hurtling you. Or, hey, you know, um, Sky, what happened on that third down play? What happened on the interception? Oh, we'll see them again. Oh, well, oh, okay. Um, it was pretty clear that the message in the locker room was like, hey, this is just round one. Round two matters more. Um, but no, I don't think we'll have a lot of these shows after a loss. Um, but this will probably be the most significant loss of the season. The one that they'll probably um, may maybe gain the most from in terms of schematic adjustments, um, you know, execution mistakes they made, whether it was physical or mental. Um, but yeah, I don't know where the game will be played, but it's most likely that the rematch will be played in, in Buffalo. Um, and I'm looking forward to it, man, because I think everything from Sunday leads to whatever happens in the postseason. Uh, you are totally correct. These are two playoff teams. They probably going to meet again. I think the whole country probably wants it, right? If you don't live in like Cincinnati or, Baltimore. God bless the New York Jets, Carrington. How are the New York Jets four and two? It's the biggest mystery in the league. How? I mean, I guess the Giants could also be the biggest mystery. The fact of it's just MetLife Stadium in general. It's just the biggest mystery right now in the league. If you look at the AFC standings, it's like Bills. Yep. Totally understand that. Chiefs. Yeah. They, based on yesterday's outcome, are the second best team in the conference alongside the New York Jets. Uh, so, I don't know. If you don't live in Cincinnati or, or Baltimore or maybe New York, if they continue this sort of magical start to their season, um, you probably want to see Chiefs Bills again. So, this is the loss that actually matters, Carrington. I know that, like, people will say, well, what happened to Indianapolis, Nate? Like, hey, like, didn't they, like, sleepwalk through most of that game or the special teams was an issue? Or, hey, you know, Chris Jones and, you know, whatever he said to Matt Ryan – those are, you know, more or less fluke losses. The ones that actually matter, the ones that you can actually learn the most from are games like yesterday where the Bills, when it mattered most in the fourth quarter, were the better team. So what matters moving forward I think is most fascinating because I do think we're we're headed towards Chiefs-Bills part three in the postseason. But unlike the last two years, this one might be in Buffalo because that looks like the best team in football. So let's start here. I had my time earlier today on the drive to give my biggest takeaway. I'll tell you what it is here in a bit, but you were at the game yesterday. You got a feel for the crowd. You talked to the players after the game. What's your biggest takeaway? What's the biggest reason in your opinion, why the chiefs lost yesterday? Well, I'm going to say two things. One of which is what I mostly wrote in the athletic uh, last night is the idea that, you know, 
the defense did just enough to put the offense in a position to close the game out. You know, it's similar to baseball where you're like, hey, all you all that matters is I get to the ninth inning and I got a lead and I hand it off to my closer. And the Chiefs, in essence, were in the ninth inning with about seven minutes to go, and they gave the ball to Patrick Mahomes. Okay, man, like, we're up three. Not only do we, do we want you to protect the lead and not turn the ball over, obviously, but we want you to go down and get us another score. You know, if we get up 10, even with the Bills' potent offense, that should be enough to win. And they didn't gain a single yard, Carrington. They, they went backwards. Uh, Von Miller obviously got the sack on third down, beating Andrew Wiley. Mahomes said he held the ball too long. I kind of understand his point, but look, nobody was open downfield either. So it's a failure of the offense to be the more healthier unit on the roster, to be the more experienced unit based on Andy Reid, Mahomes, Kelsey. There's so many new inexperienced players that obviously played on defense yesterday. Like, the game was in the offense's hands, and they couldn't deliver that last score that probably would have won them the game or at least made it really, really difficult for the Bills to score two, you know, two scores in about, what, three to two minutes, depending on when they or how long they would have gotten down the field. Um, you don't call it a turnover, but punting, only taking a minute off the clock and then giving basically Josh Allen and the Bills five minutes to go down the field against a – Look, a defense that was compromised because you didn't have Tershawn Wharton, who's done for the year, Rashad Fitton, you know, uh, obviously Trent McDuffie. The idea that obviously Willie Gay was suspended. And then, of course, Brian Cook, who is your rotational third safety, is also not there. Um, so maybe he's, you know, able to be on someone like Dawson Knox instead of Justin Reed, who can maybe be more in the center field aspect on that game-winning touchdown from Josh Allen to Dawson Knox. So... It was about the offense. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, the Bills felt like they had to win that game because didn't they give Von Miller a boatload of money even though he's 33 years old? And even though he is 33 years old, he's playing better than he was three years ago. Like, it's it's marveling to watch Von Miller have a game-rushing plan to say, I'm going to go inside, then I'm going to spin move you. Then I'm going to go speed rush with dip under, you know, Andrew Wiley's hands when he's in the perfect spot to block Von Miller. He's like, I don't care. I'm faster. I got more flexibility. I'm going to get around you and make the most important stops in the game for the Bills so that they have a chance to win the game at the end. Um, Von Miller is the key addition to the Bills. Obviously, everybody knows Tyreek Hill is a key subtraction to the Chiefs. Um, but he matters, and he may play a role, obviously, if there is a rematch. But the Bills felt like the only way they were going to beat the Chiefs, even after last season's epic division round postseason game, was we couldn't get enough pressure on him. You know, we got to the fourth quarter, and we couldn't get a pass rush. We got into overtime, and Mahomes felt comfortable in the pocket. So the only way we can change these things is we got to get the best pass rusher on the open market, and that just so happened to be Von Miller who has all this experience playing against Mahomes when he spent the first 10 seasons of his career in Denver. Obviously, he was a part of some Patrick Mahomes comebacks early in Mahomes' career. So for him to have that experience, for him to still be this talented at a elite pass rushing level at age 33, and then to, to deliver in the fourth quarter, unlike what happened a year ago, 
he matters. He is a key difference maker moving forward. And, you know, for the Bills to gain all this experience, it just leads me to believe that, hey, it's going to be harder for the offense not only Sunday, but perhaps it's going to be just as hard in the divisional round or in the AFC championship round if these two teams meet again. So my biggest takeaway was if you made a list of who you think the Bills' most important players are, all of those guys played well. Yep. Josh Allen threw for 329 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Devin Singletary, who is a dime a dozen middle of the tier (laughs) running back, ran for 85 yards. He ran for more yards than your entire team did. Right. If I ask you who the three best pass catchers for the Buffalo Bills are, all of them scored a touchdown. You mentioned Von Miller. The Bills got Von Miller for the sole purpose of beating Kansas City. He got two sacks yesterday. The next time that these two teams play each other, mm-hmm. the Chiefs have to make one of those guys have a bad game. Yeah. You can't let Devin Singletary control the tempo of the game and consistently get five, six, seven yards of carry right. and make it manageable second down and third downs. If you look at the numbers, these two teams were fairly even yesterday. Mm-hmm. The difference was the top seven guys from the Bills all contributed to the win. Maybe four of the top seven guys contributed to, for the Chiefs in a win. Yeah. And the thing that I think is super fascinating is the Bills, you know, have been playing with a little more freedom than the Chiefs, right? The Bills have the experience of coming in and still being the underdog. And you saw as the game went along, hey, they feel they feel comfortable. They feel good, and they've been here before. And there wasn't a lot of, like, super-duper celebrating. One key difference from last year – to this year is when they beat the Chiefs in primetime on Sunday Night Football, and, I mean, they they beat them down, um, that was their regular season Super Bowl. The whole idea of, like, yes, we, we can beat this team. Like, let's continue to dominate them. Um, you know, that was their, hey, we've arrived as, like, a true AFC contender for the Super Bowl. This year, to your point, Carrington, all those guys knew what they were supposed to do, and they delivered. Like, hey, Josh Allen needs to not be – necessarily as good as he was in the divisional round, because that would be asking a lot for any quarterback. Hey, just just play perfect football for six for 60 minutes, um, which is why it's so, you know, incredible that he did play a perfect game, by and large, and they lost. Um, but, hey, be excellent. Continue to be an MVP candidate. Carrington, they got to the fourth quarter, and they were, like, kind of almost, like, rubbing their hands together because it's like, yes, now we can – basically unlocked Josh as a runner. Now we have a numbers advantage. Now we're going basically fake counter inside sweep outside. And now I'm hurtling Justin Reed. I mean, it's, it's incredible what he can do, but yeah, on a one-on-one situation with Joshua Williams, Gabriel Davis is supposed to win that. So is Stefan Diggs. They did. I think it's more of a 50, 50 battle between Dawson Knox and, and Justin Reed, but the, person who sort of puts it in the favor of Dawson Knox is Josh Allen. It's a great throw. It's an amazing throw. And for as many times as the Chiefs blitzed early and were successful, Josh didn't turn the football over. Now, he got a little hurried on the pitch option to Isaiah McKenzie. I think it's mostly on Isaiah McKenzie. Just I agree with you. Catch the ball. Like, catch the pitch, 
before obviously you make your move upfield. I think they actually benched him soon after that. Like Isaiah McKenzie was not a factor in the right. Bills offense in the second half. Like it was one of those things mm-hmm. they realized today's not your day. Right. It will be your day again. But today we got to roll with the guys that we think give us the best chance to win. And that is just not you today. Right. So he didn't turn the ball over in the second half. And obviously Mahomes under dire situations for most quarterbacks, you know, made an ill-advised throw and the Bills got him on the coverage because they were playing a little bit of a man on a crosser, but obviously zone everywhere else so that the eyes could be on the quarterback. And, and look, it's a great play. The 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 young cornerback, you know, drove on the ball, uh, Tyron Johnson. So I think in everything that we've talked about so far, now we know what is required in the rematch, whether it's played in Buffalo or Kansas City. Hey, limit the turnovers as best you can. The Mahomes interception in the red zone is just – it's, it's it's unnecessary, you know, for you to take that risk that early in the game on a drive that you got based off a turnover. So you probably won't see that again from Mahomes, right? Um, maybe Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid decide that wherever Von Miller is, we're just going to double team it. We're just going to try to remove him from the game as much as possible. Um, the receivers need to make a few more plays. So if it's a juju game like yesterday – continue to be excellent in that standpoint. Travis Kelsey can continue to be obviously a a a really a zone nightmare for the Bills. Like they can try any zone and he'll bust it. But on the defensive side, what'll be fascinating is what does Trick McDuffie do? What does Willie Gay do? Um can Chris Jones, you know, be more like Von Miller? Instead of one sack, you get two sacks. You know, maybe you get another pressure on Allen and make him make the mistake. So it's fascinating to know that these two teams are so evenly matched that it's little things and it's really comes down to how did you get to the fourth quarter and then what did you do with the circumstances? And that's why I think it's so frustrating for the Chiefs is that they were still in a position to win despite everything that happened in the first 53 minutes and they, they couldn't deliver. And it's, it's a bit odd to see Mahomes in a situation where you can, where you can make the final strike um, you know, not be successful, but that's part due to Von Miller and that's part due to the Bills, you know, having everyone that they needed to be great, be great. And for the Chiefs, it was about half of your top 10, you know, half of your top seven, um, which I think is the number that you asked, you added earlier. Um, man, it, it's, it's good to know that uh, the Bills are the real rival. You know, we talked about, like, eh, the Raiders don't really matter anymore. Or, like, the Chiefs are above that. And we thought the Chargers were in the mix. We'll see how that develops through the regular season. But, like, this is the team that is just as good, who can beat them, and who will beat them if given the opportunity. And that's that's really fascinating to know um, because I think this Bills team is very different from the one a year ago where they were trying to prove something. Now they know it. And it's just who can be the better team in January. All right, coming up on the other side on the Nate Taylor Show, I have a very important question. I asked this question on my radio program. No one could answer it. <laughs> You're a better football mind than me. Maybe you can answer why this thing is the way that it is. I'll tell you the question next. You are listening to the Nate Taylor show live on 610 sports radio. You're listening to the Nate Taylor show Monday nights at seven on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas city chiefs, 610 sports radio. All right, Nate Taylor. I know it's the Nate Taylor show, 
and I want to give you all the room to <laughs> speak your mind. But I have to ask you this one question. Okay. Your job is different than mine, but it's similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Whenever you are down somebody on the team, the responsibilities change. Things change. The circumstances change. You can't mm-hmm. do some of the things. Somebody's got to pick up each other, right? Right. My job is no different. The show sounds different when Rob isn't there, when I'm not there. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs were playing practice squad <laughs> DBs. <laughs> Joshua Here Williams we go. Yo, uh-huh. could not get in the game Look, man, I told you. before last week. Right. He was only in garbage time or because he was absolutely forced to play. Right. He's, he's, he's on the depth chart. He's like the fifth cornerback. Can you tell me why mm-hmm. we are still playing press man coverage with no help over the top? With Joshua Williams. If you want to do that with Rashad Fenton, I don't like it, but I at least understand it. Uh-huh. If you want to do that with Snead or Jalen Watson at this point, again, I might not like it, but I understand it. Joshua Williams was playing D2 football last year. Right. There ain't, no, there ain't nobody like Gabriel Davis in the in the, in the the Division II ranks. You, you, that's what you're telling me? Joshua Williams couldn't get off the bench uh-huh. last week. Couldn't get off the bench. Uh-huh. We got him playing press man coverage against a guy who's playing as well as any wide receiver in the league right now, Stephon Diggs. It doesn't make sense to me. Can you help me understand why that's their defensive strategy? Can you help me get it? Now, some of it is it's just the structure of how football is played. If the wide receiver lines up there, that's where you go. Um, On the Gabriel Davis touchdown, which I think is probably the more egregious one on a play calling standpoint for Steve Spagnuolo, who, by the way, had a pretty good game plan when you think of it from a comprehension standpoint. But on this particular error, the Bills were like, hey, and, I, and we talked about this on your show Friday. I told you at some point, Joshua Williams is going to be in man coverage, press man coverage against Joshua Williams or, or excuse me, against um, Stefan Diggs or Gabriel Davis. That's where Gabriel Davis lines up. That's where you line up. Now, it's cover one, so Juan Thornhill is the deep safety. He's supposed to cover the whole field. You center field. Problem is, you're in the middle of the field, and Gabriel Davis is literally running alongside the sideline. Now, any coach will tell you that's the hardest throw to make in the NFL is on the boundary, nine route. The sideline is basically double coverage is what – the defensive coaching staff will tell you this. I know we had this discussion in December and early January last year, (laughs) Carrington, because there was this receiver named Jamar Chase who they quote-unquote double covered with Traverius Ward and the sideline. They they did it again yesterday. They blitzed in a last-minute situation before halftime where I think you got to – Think, hey, let's just be comfortable giving them three. Let's not let them get in the end zone. The best way to do that is more or less play cover two. Cut the field in half for the safety. Cut the field in half for for Juan Thornhill instead of playing the whole field. Because Stephon Diggs is on the other side of the field too. So it's, you know, he kind of in a no-man's land. They out-schemed you, and you called the wrong play. And the rookie has to suffer for it. Now he gains a lot of experience because, hey, now you know what to do. 
in a certain situation, the the one route that can hurt you the most is over the top. But to me, that's a cop out just by the simple fact of. Hey, to, I'm just telling you. To, I'm just telling you to scheme. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> the the weaknesses and the strength of the play caller. But part of coaching, <laughs> right, is putting is knowing who you are yes. in situations where they can have success. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to throw Joshua Williams into the deep end of the pool his first time and say, son, figure it out. You're right. You you might figure it out, but that's not the best way for you to learn how to swim. Right. I'm looking at a guy like, to me, it's, it's, it's knowing personnel and knowing situation. Correct. And getting the most out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and using it to your advantage. And in a game like that, in which they have better wide receivers than you have cover corners. I'm not going to put you in a situation where you don't have the necessary help or resources you can make to go out there and make a play. Right. And if you're Josh Allen, all you got to do is look at the line. You, you get to the line, or basically they're in shotgun, so everything's available to you. And you can just say, like, oh, well, there's my matchup. I just, whatever signal I have for Gabriel Davis, hey, hey nine, just end zone. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll throw it to you. Um, and, of course, he's hard to get on the ground anyway. Now they blitzed hoping that they would flush him out of the pocket to where that nine route is a little harder to cover, but he stood in, he stood in the pocket and delivered a great strike. Um, the difficulty of the throw can't be higher in that situation, but he's so damn talented that he completes the pass. Now, the other thing is the correct call in that situation is we are giving up three and only three, which means, and they don't do this a ton, Carrington, and I, if, if you're – you're a fan listening it's okay to criticize the coaching staff for doing this but they have chosen over the course of basically three seasons now with Spagnuolo they not gonna change but the correct call there is hey if, if they're on the plus side of the field with less than a minute left they got a couple timeouts all we're giving them is three we are not letting them in the end zone or they're gonna have to break two or three tackles after making a catch to get in the end zone so what you would normally do is you would say, hey, let's let's play soft zone, which is, hey, you're 7 to 10 yards away from the receiver. You're not bumping them. Everything's in front of you, and you're playing either quarters, cover six, cover two, which means there is safety help over the top, usually on inside leverage. So now you have three defenders at your advantage. You have the sideline, you have the corner, and you have the safety. The, the the problem is they got beat the second time with 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 Stefan Diggs against Joshua Williams basically doing the same thing, um, so that that's a bit of an adjustment issue. Um, most teams, even with Trent McDuffie back or Rashad Fitton healthier, perhaps more productive in coverage. Uh, hey, Jalen Watson's been pretty good this year. Obviously, no one targets Legarius Sneed now because why would you? When, yeah, just throw it to the other When guys. you have Joshua Williams out there. So, in the future, you would think you'd have, you know, more capable coverage corners available to do these type of things, and you would have less receivers like the Bills unless you're playing the Bengals who have T. Higgins, James Boyd, obviously uh, Jamar Chase. So, it, it'll – Look, these are the answers I can provide. This is the responsibility I have to explain why the decisions were made. Were they the correct decisions? Well, hindsight says, of course not. It's even more. We can see that before it happens, though. Right, which I think, (laughs) and this is getting to my point, it's even more, I think, disheartening for fans when they say, like, didn't they just do that to the the Bengals last year and they got burned on it? So, like, why are we doing it to an equal, comparable receiving core? Like, why are we doing that when we could just – it's okay to give up three points, not not seven right before halftime. 
Because up until that point, I thought the Chiefs had done just enough to really frustrate the Bills' offense to where, hey, they only have three points on the board. Even if they go into halftime with six points, that's not a successful half. Now they feel perhaps a little bit more pressure, even more frustrated. Um, but giving them that touchdown right before halftime, it was like, okay, we've seen them at their best. You know, we got a little outside of ourselves. You know, Allen threw a couple inaccurate passes, mostly because of the blitz. But okay, we have 10 points. The game is not out of reach. We'll come back out of halftime, make our own adjustments, and just execute better, which is ultimately what happened. So it's a it's a pivotal moment in the game, and I'm glad you asked the question. And hopefully my answers are what they are. They may not they may not serve the fans to the best of their abilities, but this is how Steve Spagnuolo is going to play it. And it, it may come down to is Joshua Williams better in that situation in January or is that player Trick McDuffie? Um, but I don't think they're going to change, unfortunately, even though – for me, it's easy to understand what the appropriate call in that situation is based on the talent that you have, the talent that they have, and obviously the situation within the game. All right, coming up on the other side, I have noticed something with the Chiefs. And the debate on the show was, is this causation or correlation? I'll tell you what it is coming up. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. So this is the number, Nate Taylor. When the Chiefs have won, they have run the ball for an average of 128 yards. In the games they have lost, they have run the ball for... 63 yards. Now, when I said this on the show earlier, people were like, well, when you lose, you're not running the ball. And I'm like, well, we've been watching the flow of these games. Mm-hmm. It's not like the other team has gotten out to big leads and they've been grinding the Chiefs away. Other than the Raiders game, I don't I don't see a scenario of such. The game yesterday was close. Uh-huh. Buffalo just ran the ball more effectively than you did. Uh-huh. The With- game against the Colts, you were winning for the entire right. game. You just couldn't run the football. Their offense, when they have balance and aren't one-dimensional, is really good. Yes, sir. You can defend their offense if they're one-dimensional and are only throwing the ball. I simplified it to this. And, and you, by the way, not only do you simplify it, you got, a, you got that Hall of Fame pass rusher on the edge. I simplified it to this. The run game is the third offensive production. Yesterday... They had two good offensive players, Juju and Kelsey. No other player on their offense had more than 45 yards. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the case with Buffalo. Right. They got Diggs, who had a good game. Gabriel Davis had 75 yards and a touchdown. Devin Singletary ran for 80 yards. They had a third offensive player. Their offense was better than yours over the course of the day. I just think people, because we have been so trained, oh, Andy doesn't run the ball, and they're going to throw with Mahomes. I'm not saying they got to be a top 10 running team. But when they're effective in the run game and efficient in the run game, you see the difference that it creates for their offense as opposed to when they're not. Yeah, and I'm going to just say it right now. It's got to be more running back by committee. Like, I know this is, in essence, Clyde's contract year because most teams do not pick up the fifth-year option, even for a running back at this point in the landscape of the NFL because rookies, when they're drafted in the first round, uh, have a five-year contract, you know, the fifth year is basically an option for the team. 
Look, Jerick McKinnon was probably the best running back against the Raiders, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco needs more than two carries. You know, two carries for 4.5 yards, basically nine yards on two carries. Why are they hesitant to do this? Because I don't get it, Carrington. And then just last year mm-hmm. when they had Derek Gore, we were asking the exact same questions. Yep. Derek Gore was getting four or five yards a carry, and they seemed very reluctant to give him the ball. I don't get Pacheco, it. Pacheco. This he, is it. I mean, he ran the ball well against the Buccaneers. I mean, everybody ran the ball well against right. the Bucs. But outside of that, they – they haven't tried to get him really going in the run game. What, what do you think their hesitation is to get him going? I don't, I don't get it. It's six games. Uh, okay, maybe, maybe it's like, hey, it's early. You know, let's, let's manage his touches because obviously he's adjusted to the speed of the game. I, I understand that, but we're six games in now, and let him, let him go. Just he need, you know, in Arizona he got twelve carries because they were so far ahead. And actually gave him experience. But even when the Cardinals knew they were running the football with Isaiah Pacheco, he got 5.2 yards. Tampa Bay in, you know, a more balanced situation that you are presenting, Carrington. 11 carries for 63 yards, 5.7 a pop. He had 4.5 yesterday, but only with two attempts. Mm -hmm. Like, he only had one carry against the Raiders. Now, some of that is because McKinnon – exploded with that 30-yard run to sort of get the offense into some form of a rhythm. Um, But I don't care who it is. You can give me any duo you want. If it's Clyde and McKinnon, okay. But they each need to have nine to ten touches, even though you have Mahomes. And I understand how dynamic he is with the football. Is it Pacheco and Clyde? Okay, that's fine. You know, I don't know if there's an injury and some of this might be, hey, if we limit their touches, maybe we can get them to have more durability throughout the course of the season. But Pacheco needs more touches. It's- you got to be willing to burn one of them to the ground. As, sound as, as sad as that sounds, I mean, you got Ronald Jones just sitting in the cut waiting to be called up. He's in the he's in the in case of emergency glass, Carrington. You're right, but maybe but but maybe you lose Jarek McKinnon, and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate. But at least get the most out of Jarek McKinnon. Like right now, you are preparing for something that you can't right. prepare for. You can't predict it. He could get hurt on the first carry the same way he can get hurt on the 16th carry. Mm-hmm. But maybe he has 105 yards on the field. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Do, no, McKinnon had more receptions yesterday, three, than he had rushing attempts, which is two, which is just like, okay. Um, now, one of the easiest things you can do as a play caller is if, hey, they showed us something that we had not prepared for. Hey, this is what was on film. They are playing us differently for personnel reasons, just to make a change up, whatever, to keep, you know, to keep them from being predictable. But one of the easiest things to do in football is, well, okay, well, here's the ball. We're just going to run it. Like, it doesn't really matter what the other team's doing from a cover standpoint if we just run the football. And the Chiefs are facing more man-to-man coverage than in previous years. Obviously, part of that is due to Tyreek Hill not being on the team. But they're still going to get light boxes a general amount of time if they're in the shotgun position. And even if it's, you know, seven-on-seven, if you're in more traditional formations, all right, we'll see if your seven can beat their seven. With the running back getting the football on a more consistent level. So, yes – this is an Andy Reid annual occasion after a loss. Man, why ain't they run the ball more? Guys, 
you're right. They should. Like, Carrington, it's time. Like, I don't care if the bye week, hey, we, we want to do this after the bye week, or hey, we kind of want to schedule it a certain way as we move from September to October to November. Um, They need to find who their best running back is. And do you know who their best running back is, Carrington? I think it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I don't know. I don't know who their best running back is. And I don't know if they know who their best running back is, but they, they got to get more game experience to actually find the answer to that. Because the sooner you find the answer to that, the sooner you can build your offense into a more cohesive unit so that you can be more balanced, which is what you, me, and most people in Kansas City would ask from this offense, knowing that you can't pass the football all the time because, yes, you don't have 10 anymore, or the, the original 10. This is the point I made today about the wide receivers. You know that saying, sometimes you get what you pay for? Mm-hmm. I look at Philadelphia. Philadelphia traded a one and a big contract on A.J. Brown. They're getting what they paid for. They spent the top 15 pick on a guy who won a Heisman Trophy as a wide receiver. He's, They're getting what they paid so for. He's so good. They're getting what they paid for. Yep. The Chiefs tried the nickel and dime at wide receiver. I think you're getting nickel and dime production. I think Juju is a good receiver. Yeah. I think Juju, we, we have enough data in his career to know exactly what he is. He's not a one, but he can be a really good two. Right. The Chiefs thought that there was this next level for MVS. There isn't. This is who he is. It's this it's, is who he is. It's um, this is who McCole Hardman is. This is now year four of asking some of these same questions. Yeah. I know you don't watch the television broadcast, at least not live. Yeah. Troy Aikman mentioned flattening out the routes. Romo mentioned flattening out the routes. <sighs> We've been having the same conversation with McCole Hardman now years. for four years. Four he ain't years. never going to flatten out that route. We know how hard it is for rookies to get going into yep. Andy Reid's offense. So mm-hmm. I'm just not counting on Sky Moore a lot this year. Maybe in the second half, maybe next season. But as of right now, that it, it's really hard to be the 13th, 14th wide receiver taken and think you're going to come in and be an impact player in the National Football League. So I'm just going to give you the facts, Carrington. Um, who on the Chiefs, from a wide receiver standpoint, is making the most money this season? MVS. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, his, his base salary is $2.5 million. He is 4.8 on the cap this year. Yeah, he signed like basically a one-year $9 million deal when you factor in kind of everything. Yeah, and, and he's guaranteed to be on the roster next year, unlike Juju Smith-Schuster. He has zero catches. I know we can say, well, the one guy, well, yeah. we ain't counting almost touchdowns. We ain't yeah. counting almost catches, almost production. There ain't a stat for that. He had zero catches in the game. Zero yards. You can't even say he helped you in run blocking. You ran for 58 yards. Mm-hmm. He gave you nothing. So so you just referenced for some some good teams what they ended up paying for and what they ended up getting. Um, Juju right now is basically a million dollars in base salary, three million on the cap. You're getting more out of the guy making three million on the cap or taking three million on the cap than the guy making or taking almost five million. Um, we know the guy making three on the cap and Juju can operate in zone, operate in man. He can operate in man because he is a very good route runner who has the size and ability to win one-on-one battles. He's also good in zone just because, hey, he understands where the soft spots are. He's making himself available to the quarterback um, because he's got that instinctual ability that is similar to Travis Kelsey, but obviously from a different position. And he he's he's coming to the team as a slot receiver. So you're 
often in zone coverage uh, in those spots more in the perimeter and man-to-man situations. Um, Marquez Valdez-Gantlin has not gotten open against man coverage in the ways the Chiefs had anticipated. Now, can that change? Sure. But Patrick Mahomes tried to – I mean, Patrick Mahomes gave him a lot of trust on that – I mean, you could call it 25-75 ball. A jump ball. But it wasn't 50-50. <laughs> it, it was like 25-75. <laughs> he put a lot of trust in you. But, hey, you the taller guy. So, out of the wide receiver so far, the biggest disappointment has been Marquez Valdez-Scanlon because you have actually put a little bit more resources into him than anybody else. And, you know, McColl – uh, is still on a rookie deal, so he doesn't he doesn't factor in the same way as you would bring in a guy, um, you know, who's coming in from free agency. Now, McColl is making three point nine million dollars. He has also played through an injury, but to your point, like he's not going to be the most crispest, the most smoothest of route runners for the Chiefs. So. Um, if we're taking, if we're if we're giving more snaps, more touches to Isaiah Pacheco, doesn't all this conversation mean they should give more to Sky Moore? Yeah, you know how many routes Sky Moore ran yesterday? You told me the number, so I don't want I don't want to cheat. It was thirteen. I should have cheated though. Uh, he ran fourteen routes against the Raiders, eleven against Tampa Bay. Probably need probably put probably need to put him in the twenties just to see what happens, you know, um, and maybe you get lesser, a more inferior opponent on defense, and maybe Scott can take advantage of some of those deep routes or those routes against man coverage, or hey, he's more available to the quarterback on scrambles, um, but he needs he his routes probably need to get into the twenty range, and Pacheco's rushing attempts need to get into that eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve range. All right, coming up on the other side, we'll take a look ahead to the Chiefs matchup against San Francisco, and San Francisco definitely poses some problems to the Chiefs, and we'll also update you on Monday Night Football. That's all coming up. Keep it locked in. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. So we're in here hanging out, the Nate Taylor Show, watching a little Monday night football. It is Broncos 10, Chargers 0. Mm. 10 points for the Broncos. Oh, is, we, we, we got a shootout. It's really 30 points in real <laughs> NFL time. You know how like one year in human Ooh. world is like seven in dog years? One touchdown for the Broncos is equal to three touchdowns for a normal team, so... Russell Wilson with a touchdown pass. He threw a touchdown pass to their backup tight end, Albert O, who went to the University of Missouri. He was a healthy scratch today. The other tight end had a touchdown today. He was plus 4,000 on the first touchdown. If you were lucky enough to bet it, Nate Taylor is here because it's the Nate Taylor Show. Yes, sir. San Francisco does a lot of things that would worry me if I'm Kansas City. Like run the football down your throat? Play A little play action? And they can get after the quarterback. Mm Mm-hmm. Football is simple. Football is a formula most of the time. Right. 
if you can control the line of scrimmage and not turn the ball over, you can win a lot of games. It will keep you in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I think Kansas City will win. I think they are the better team. But we see games like this where the better team loses the National Football League on the road four or five times a week. This is a da- this is a dangerous spot to me. Especially when you know you have the bye week right around the corner. Um, the Chiefs can be more dynamic, but the 49ers are going to play a, a, a really controlling tempo game, I believe. Um, they're going to try to not have Jimmy Garoppolo do too much. The formula to beat the Niners, of course, is to have a two-score lead and then force Jimmy into clear drop-back situations where the play action or the threat of the run is not really an option. Obviously, they love to do uh, some really creative things with Debo Samuel. Um, But if you're down 10, he needs to do more conventional routes. Um, You know, one of the stats that has really blown my mind, Carrington, so far this season from the Chiefs, and this was a defense last year that really, really, really was turnover dependent. They only have one interception through six games. It's a massive interception because Jalen Watson turned it into a 99-yard touchdown return, the ultimate game winner against the San Diego Chargers. But that's it. So I know it's a lot of young guys. Hell, Chris Lehman's, Lamont's was out here getting snaps yesterday in certain spots against the Buffalo Bills. He's mostly known for being an incredible player on special teams. But, yes, Joshua Williams, rookie. Jalen Watson, rookie. Rashad Fitton, kind of having his worst season as a play as a as an NFL player so far. Um, I hey, I don't think he's kind of having his worst season. I think he is. Hey, I, I got I got I, I got to hedge some of these things, you know. But you and like, I live in, you and I live in different businesses. <laughs> you know what I mean? You you and I you and I serve two different masters. I mean, Rashad Fitton was pretty good against the Arizona Cardinals. Everybody was good against the Cardinals. Well, hey, you would have played I well gotta, against the Cardinals if you was on the team. Kinda having his worst season. <laughs> <laughs> not not to say that it's all been terrible or bad, but mm, all right. So Justin Reed, big time acquisition, your biggest acquisition in free agency. Juan Thornhill, back to being fully healthy. They only have one interception. Uh Jimmy Garoppolo can can throw you the ball now. He can he can give you some opportunities. Um, they need interceptions on Sunday. Like, it's it's good to cover the receiver. It's good to be in position to make a play on the ball or to at least knock the ball loose. Um, it's time for the Chiefs secondary to be more uh turnover creative. Like, create some turnovers. Help your offense a little bit. Doing that against Josh Allen is a challenge. Jimmy Garoppolo, who has three interceptions this season, can be taken advantage of under the right circumstances. So, obviously, this is a mini Traverius Ward revenge game, even though they, like, never (laughs) – we never going to – hey, go make the most money you can in free agency. But for the Chiefs secondary, you you can't go through another five, six-game stretch with only one interception – and, yes, I know quarterbacks are getting better in this league with accuracy and, and timing and quick game, but Jimmy Garoppolo is there to be had. Go get an interception against Jimmy. Last thing here, because I imagine we're up against it here. Nick has given me that look like he knows we're up against it. 
When you think back to the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, what's the first memory that comes to your mind? The first memory. Um, I, I just kept thinking he's really backpedaling before throwing the ball 44 yards. Like, Wasp only works because he backpedals against Nick Bosa. It's just like, it's video game stuff. Like, and where I was in the press box, I was too, I was seeing the whole play in front of me from the back side of the Chiefs um, where they were on the field. Yeah, he's taking a he's taking a snap in the shotgun and backpedaling five more yards so that I can have enough time to unleash a historic pass to Tyreek Hill on Wasp. Again, he's backpedaling like it's a video game in real life in the Super Bowl. That's that's what comes to mind. The Nate Taylor Show. We're out of here.